Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about Darling Nikki from Purple Rain. The end of side A on the vinyl uh, or the cassette if you were listening to it like that. Recorded in August 1983 at the Kiowa Home Trail um, studio. Uh, just Prince by himself and released on the 25th of June 1984. The track is 4 minutes and 13 and joining me once again to talk about this is Victor Azevedo. Hello, Victor. Oh, hi, Darren. Obviously, with, with you know, a lot of the songs in Purple Rain, their placement in the film is quite important. But I feel like Darling Nikki, out of all the songs uh, that are on the album, is kind of the most important in terms of story. Uh, because obviously, you know, you get When Does Cry and there's like a montage of Prince and his father and his mother and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, you know, the final three songs are Prince's kind of triumph um, over the evil, the time. Um, and, you know, I don't know, whoever else is playing against them. Um, and, um, you know, there are other songs like Computer Blue, which, you know, is the song right before this, uh, that are kind of just very important performances. Um the end of that song comes when Prince sees Apollonia and then just screams. And that's the end of the song. Mm. And it's almost the cue for the band to be like, uh, OK, we know what we're doing next then. Um, <laughs> and there's a little bit of conversation, which I always love with uh, Billy and um, Morris Day, where Morris Day's like, not many people in here tonight. And he's like, well, I guess money's not everything. And I like how <laughs> Billy goes, the kid is in rare form tonight. And it's just like, and then we get Darling Nikki. Uh, you know, a song that is obviously directed at Apollonia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we as the song is performed, um, you know, Prince kind of are moving all over the stage, particularly when he, he says about the um, the note. Mm-hmm. And he and he picks up a note yeah. as he's climbing up to the top of the speaker, which is like such a great touch. Was the note already there? Like the note was like he knew we had to do the song. So <laughs> he wasn't sure he was going to do this song. He sees Apollonia. He knows you. He. he portrayed her in inverted commas so he's then been waiting to play this song so this note's probably been sitting there for weeks just on the off chance that he does <laughs> this song like i just you just say that now they could hold on how's he know that note's there it was like how <laughs> it doesn't work i think that he was always going to play the song as part of the set list but maybe he was going to play it later in the set list and you know finishing up computer blue early mm-hmm. He then just goes straight to Darling Nikki. So yeah. he was always going to go over to that that little set of steps mm. and he was always going to pick that note up. It was always going to be part of the show. Mm. It's just he's doing it a little earlier. But yeah, <laughs> it is funny that all of a sudden there's this note there. Um, and then he climbs on top of the, the speaker and then begins to have sex with the speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, backed up by, you know, some amazing drums. Um, which, you know, are played by Prince, basically. But Although, obviously, in the film, you have Bobby Z sitting behind the kit, so it looks like Bobby Z's playing them. Mm-hmm. But it's Prince, basically, you know, doing those those wonderful drum fills, yeah. um, you know, which simulate, uh, on screen at least, Prince, mm-hmm. um, you know, having sex with the top of this speaker, which we can only assume is him. Um, I mean, in the song, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's him and Nicky, but obviously, you know, it's clearly meant to be something that's happened between him and Apollonia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just there's said it's just interesting. That that bit is amazing because you got the drums, you got the guitar coming in, you got that keyboard as well. Because the songs, like I think you like in your notes, you're saying look, what genre is this song? And it's like I can't figure it out. Like it's this really sparse yeah. song. Then all of a sudden, yeah. it just go. Then all of a sudden, it gets that bit and just flicks the switch and goes bang. And this. I mean, I think you have to say kind of like it's a rock song, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a song. It's a song about. It, it, I mean, unusually, it's a story song 
that mm. is also a rock song. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there are a few on 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 Purple Rain that are story songs actually, and you know, obviously uh, the lyrics themselves. We'll talk about it a little later, but obviously they, you know, they they ended up getting Prince in trouble. <laughs> but you know, he talks about you know he knew a girl named Nikki. Uh, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend, which is just such a great line. You know, he he he, he describes how he met her, which was of course in a hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine, and you know she's the one who comes onto him and says, "How'd you like to waste some time?" And Prince says, "I could not resist when I saw a little Nikki grind." Yes, and you know, it kind of shows in this in this relationship, Prince is. Um, is subservient mm-hmm. and she is she is dominant to me this feels like the story of like you know a dom picking up a sub um, <laughs> you know obviously she's she's out i don't know what she's doing in this hotel lobby uh, this is the thing but yeah i mean and then you know when prince says he, you know she took me to a castle and i could just couldn't believe my eyes um, yes. it's, it, I can't help but almost sing it she had so many devices everything that money could buy yeah. and i like as well how uh, she very clearly gets consent from prince by <laughs> by saying sign your name on the dotted line <laughs> and then of course the lights go out and Nikki started to grind now I love the fact that Prince has this kind of this noise that he makes before he says Nikki this kind of like I don't know how to describe it but if anyone's heard the song you'll you'll know what I'm talking about because that's kind of like he, he, he does that he does that later on in fact it's interesting you know the first time he finishes the chorus there is no there is no kind of uh, sorry. The first time he finishes the first verse, mm-hmm. there is no chorus of any of any description. There's no chorus in this song at all, by the way, right. apart from the word Nikki. And that's and then when he when he when he does the you know the the third verse, which isn't in the film, by the way. Mm. Well, he describes the experience. You know, the castle started spinning, yeah. or maybe it was my brain. Prince says, <laughs> um, and I you know he says her 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 loving will kick you behind. She'll show you no mercy, but she's shown enough. Show yeah. enough, show you how to grind. <laughs> then he says, "Darling, Nikki," and that's you know the only kind of time in the in the song where he actually says the name, and that essentially constitutes the chorus, just saying the name Nikki. And then, as we said, you know, Prince finding this note is in the in the final verse where he says, "Woke up the next morning, Nikki wasn't there. I looked all over, and all I found was a phone number on the stairs." And then, possibly, you know, the best line the prince ever sings, where he goes, "Thank you for a funky time. Call me up whenever you want to grind." And that's the note that Nikki leaves behind. Bearing in mind, you know, Nikki is the one who's taken Prince to his castle, so he's waking up at her place, and she's already she's already gone out to work. And you know, and then obviously this is where we, we get the kind of the screaming, and you know, this is where the drums are, you know, yeah. really going crazy. Mm. And you know, Prince. In the film, he sings "Come Back, Nikki, Come Back," directly at Apollonia as she runs out, mm. and then, of course, you know, possibly the most majestic of all Prince is screaming when he says, "You dirty little Prince!" But he, I mean, he—it's barely—you can barely tell what he's singing. Oh, and then man. when he goes, wants to grind and grind and grind and grind, and he just kind of makes this noise as the drums are kind of like going crazy. Mm. And I mean, I would, you know, I would highlight a lyric, but I basically told you all the lyrics in the entire song. Yeah. Because it is such a great song, and every lyric is so kind of the whole story is yeah. is so kind of fully formed. Yeah. And in the film, the kind of like the the this kind of exchanges between him and Apollonia. Mm. I mean, you know, Purple Rain. Some people would say is not a very good film. Well, that's... Uh, those people would be wrong. But you know, uh, uh, the performances the per- the performances it's not a great are always film. great. <laughs> it's not a great film. It's but not, and, look, it's no well, it's no Citizen <laughs> Kane. But look, it. It is what it yeah, is, but, but it's still, you know, look, 
Based on but, like acting, mm, but everything else is perfect. Like the music is amazing. But I would say, <laughs> yeah, the performances are always the highlight. And this is possibly, you know, we're we're basically like an hour and two minutes into this film, mm. and we get you know, a, a full three-minute performance of this song, the look's kind of being exchanged. I particularly love Morris Day's face because he seems really annoying <laughs> that Prince has... Prince, for some reason, has this this song in his back pocket so that he can kind of intimidate Apollonia from the stage. And, you know, in, in their relationship, it's really funny because, you know, Prince has been the dominant one. Mm. She she is not the one who has kind of come on to him. He is yeah. He's the one who's kind of come on to her. Yeah. So, you know, it's not accurate to the kind of what's going on in the song, but the song is just so great anyway. Um, You know, and obviously when Prince finishes, once Apollonia runs out and Prince finishes grinding on top of the, uh, you know, on top of the speaker, he then (laughs) runs to the back and the drums keep going. The band keeps going Mm. and he runs to the back. He tears down a poster as he goes, which I always (laughs) love. I don't know what poster that is, but he's just like, I don't like that poster. And then he gets into the dressing room. In the film, the song kind of finishes as soon as he gets into the dressing room. So obviously the band at that point are like, I guess Prince isn't coming back. Let's just stop. <laughs> but on the on the record, there is then um, a kind of bit of backmasking as Prince sings something, yeah. and there's kind of like the sound of rain, and it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't really fit with the song. Um, but when you actually get to what the backmasking says, it's um, <laughs> it's Prince, and it's actually it sounds really nice. If you ever actually get the chance, find it on the internet or you know uh, reverse it yourself. Um, and it's it's Prince going, hello, how are you? I'm fine, because I know that the Lord is coming soon, yeah. coming, coming soon. Yeah. And, you know, for a song which, you know, would go on to cause a certain level of controversy, mm-hmm. it's interesting that the final words are kind of like about Prince's faith. Yeah. Um, just obviously hidden backwards. And look, it was really hard to like actually, because because obviously now it's a lot easier to work this stuff out. You can basically you know tinker around with electronics and move everything backwards. Back in 1984, when I was 12, <laughs> we had to sit there with our record player after we heard. I don't even know how we heard about it. It's not like we could have looked it up on the net. It must have been word of mouth or we read it somewhere. So we're there at my mate's house with a normal record player trying to play it backwards and it just warbling and we're just like, what the hell is this? And we're trying to get it to work and probably breaking needles and probably breaking the record as well. But it was just weird. It's like, why is this here? This makes no sense. But the whole, the actual song itself is just, oh, I remember because I was uh, was thinking, I was just thinking when I was like, got this and I thought, I was a relatively innocent 12 year old when this came out and I'm pretty sure I played this song pretty loudly in my home <laughs> and thankfully my parents didn't understand any of this stuff or wasn't taking any notice and I thought my neighbours must have heard about this woman masturbating <laughs> out of these speakers they wouldn't know what the hell is this guy playing this is such a oh my god <laughs> basically this was the first album Prince Album I bought I knew bits and pieces of it but this was the first dirty 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 song that I heard. <laughs> like, you know, obviously he'd done it before, like, you know, Dirty Mind and so forth. But, like, at this stage, I had no no clue. You know, I didn't know the lyrics to The Little Crew Corvette because essentially it's a sex song again. But I didn't know the lyrics. It was a guy singing about a car that was red. That's all it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> that was what it sounded like when I was 10 or 11. But, you know, this is just such a dirty, dirty song. There's probably an explicit tag on this podcast right now, by the way, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, but yeah, so um, I 
I think it's interesting as well that you know, obviously, it you know, it was never released as a single, mm. um, and when it when it did kind of after Prince's death, it did actually chart um, uh, number nine on the um, you know the Billboard US Hot Rock Songs and number twenty six on the on the Billboard Digital. Um, so it's interesting that it's like one of the songs that kind of. I mean, I'm guessing pretty much all of Purple Rain probably charted mm. um, after Prince's death. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really well-known song. Obviously, you know, it gained its notoriety uh, mostly from the fact that Tipper Gore's daughter, whose name I cannot remember, but she basically heard, uh, you know, Tipper Gore heard this song. Wife of Al Gore, I should say. Yes. Uh, I'm saying Tipper Gore like everybody knows. Uh, Tipper not being her real name. Her real name is Mary. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was her daughter, uh, Karenna, um, who bought Purple Rain and, you know, who was playing this song and, um, you know, Tipper heard the song and Prince, you know, he always put the lyrics of his songs on the albums. So, you know, she looked at the, the lyrics and, you know, along with a number of, um, of other kind of uh, Washington wives, as they were called, they had a list called the Filthy 15. <laughs> um, and Darling Nikki was on that list, uh, along with Sugar Walls, which, you know, Prince also wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were a number of other songs on there, uh, you know, uh, from Def Leppard, you know, from, from Wasp, from Twisted Sister being the most famous because Dee Snider actually went and testified before Congress. Yeah. Um, you know, Motley Crue. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Madonna as well, Dress You Up, which mm. I don't think is that offensive a song. No. Um, no. You know, no. but I mean, maybe that's just because we're still hearing it, you know, innocently. But yeah, you know, there was this list and it ended up with the formation of the, the Parents Music Resource Centre, uh, which most famously ended up uh, with what were uh, affectionately known as tipper stickers, mm. which is the parental advisory stickers. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it, it was funny because this actually putting that sticker on an album actually increased the record sales. Um, it, you know, so, so yeah, it became, you know, it was totally like that because you'd, you'd look at it seriously. <laughs> you look at an album and go, oh, it's got explicit lyrics. Yes, please. I'll take that. Of course, it's gonna. What kid's gonna look at an album and not see that sticker and not want to go? Hey, look, I'll try this. Why not? Like, why not do that? Yeah, yeah. it was just, it was just, yeah, you know, red rag to the bull kind of thing, really. That, that, that sticker. And uh, it's funny because if you look at the list of the fi- the Filthy Fifteen, they are mostly um, kind of like rock. Um, you know, there's a, a you know Sheena Easton. It's funny because Sheena Easton and Prince and Vanity are all on that list as well, mm-hmm. and Cindy Lauper, who you know obviously had uh, had a hit with the Prince song as well. So mm-hmm. there's you know quite a lot of kind of Prince connections on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think it's funny that you know at the time you know the the biggest you know the the art form that was essentially on the rise was you know hip hop, and you know by the time you get to the end of the decade, practically every single kind of hip hop or rap artist had the, the tipper sticker on the front yeah. because, you know, they the, everything they were doing was going to be offensive. Whereas, you know, if you think now of like, you know, Motley Crue and Twisted Sister and various other hair metal bands, mm. I'm surprised that anyone got offended by any of them, no. um, you know, because it, it just seems like, you know, they were kind of already on the on the downswing by the time you got to like 1985. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this song, you know, it achieved that kind of notoriety, you know, which overlooks the fact that it is such a brilliant song mm. it, it, when you realize it's just prince uh you know the use of the kind of um uh, the, he does a thing with the guitar where 
he uh, he turns the volume up and then turns it quickly down. Mm. So the, the guitar kind of comes in and out. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than playing a chord, essentially it's just kind of this kind of effect of the guitar kind of fading in and fading out every yeah. every bar. And then, like we said, the drums are just amazing at the mm. end. You know, Prince had, he got his hands on a couple of Lynn drum machines and he'd done something which you don't normally do with drum machines, which is he'd set them up so they could be played live. <laughs> um, and he'd rigged up a set for, for um, Bobby Z to play. And that's what he played on all the songs, you know, that, that have um, the live drums uh, that were recorded live. This being one of the few exceptions where it wasn't. Um, but this me- this is something that, you know, you weren't meant to have drum machines. So you played them and you recorded them as you were playing them live. You were meant to program them. And then use that as a backing track, essentially. So the fact that Prince would do that with the drum machine it was something that was kind of revolutionary itself. Mm. Um, later on, the technology improved so you could actually have it like a live drum machine sound. Um, but this is something that Prince is kind of pioneering here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like the sound of the guitar, you know, the sound of those drums. Prince's lyrics, you know, I mean, when when Prince is singing, it is just the guitar very quietly. And it is the drums and everything is on Prince. Very clearly relaying this story as well, you know. He's mm. this is one of those times where he's not singing in a kind of falsetto that you can't understand. Mm. He's making it clear you can hear every <laughs> single line of this song, uh, you know. Apart from, of course, when he starts the screaming. Well, because the song's directed at Apollonia, he has to make sure she understands what's going on. That's why. <laughs> that might be that. Well, might, yeah, that might be it. That might be the reason behind it. <laughs> he wants. He wants to make it clear exactly who this is aimed at. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, obviously, but that goes without saying. Five out of five. Um, you know, uh, I'm assuming you're going to agree with that, Victor. Yeah, no, no, not going to be contrarian. It's a really, really good song. It's a song (laughs) a mate of mine absolutely, utterly hates, only because he has a a sister called Nikki. So we don't call it by its name. We call call it, we call it, we call it the last song on, on side A. So, um, he, he, he says like, don't talk about that song. It's like, what do you mean? It's like. You know my sister's called Nikki. Oh, oh, okay, fair enough. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> he won't agree with you. He'd probably give it a one. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. a five song. It's like, granted, this album's Otherwise, pretty good. There's not many bad songs on this album anyway, really. There's like yeah. a five or like a four, or like a four and a half or a four, maybe the worst, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there have been a number of cover versions of it. I'm not going to go through every single one of them because there's so many. Uh, but I will just highlight a few that, you know, I enjoy. Uh, the Swedish band Whale uh, did a cover of it, which was on their uh, Pay For Me EP. I bought the cassette of that. cost me, I don't know, about £8, just so I could hear uh, Darling Nikki. And the thing is, Darling Nikki is the middle track, so you have to listen to a couple of tracks before you get to that track. Um, so it's a really interesting version of it. As, as always with Prince, when women... Uh, sing Prince songs they do bring something different um, you know and at no point do Whale bother to change like invert the kind of the genders on it it is literally a woman singing about a woman Mm. Um, and the same kind of goes for the Rebecca Romaine yes that is Rebecca Romaine of X-Men fame and previously married to John Stamos uh, yeah, she she did like a, a, an, a what is called an electro goth tribute to Prince was the name of the album, mm. um, and I think that's kind of it's like an interesting version as well. Um, there's actually one by a group called 1917 Soundtrack, which is almost like a, a rap song. It takes the basic framework of it and kind of puts new lyrics over. Uh, I wasn't a hundred percent taken with that, um, and you know there was a version by Love Is All as well, which I, I thought was quite good. Um, the most notorious cover version, I would say, is probably the Foo Fighters, um, who covered Darling Nikki as a B-side of one of their singles. 
And apparently Prince heard about that, listened to it, and was not keen. Um, and, you know, Dave Grohl apparently was a little bit shaken by the fact that Prince did not enjoy, you know, their version of Darling Nikki. Uh, you can, uh, that version I found a little hard to find. I couldn't find it on Spotify or YouTube or anywhere like that. Uh, but there is a version of them. Basically, it's the same kind of version, a kind of very um, kind of rock version with CeeLo Green doing the lyrics, um, you know, which is quite an interesting version to listen to. Yeah, and he sounds amazing on it too. It actually, it, it works because he has that kind of falsetti kind of voice. It actually really, really works. You know, Prince, he didn't, I mean, you know, as a kind of, uh, a kind of, he didn't, he didn't completely hate the version, but, you know, he wasn't keen on it. And when he did his Super Bowl show, he performed Best of You, um, you know, almost as a kind of, uh, you know, rapprochement. Uh, in the relations between Foo Fighters and Prince, you know, just to just to show that you know he did he did like Dave Grohl, uh, you know. Obviously, we've spoken about it on a couple of other tracks, but Maya Rudolph, you know, has a, a cover band called Princess, um, and they had they had done a version of this song, uh, I think, um, for Jimmy Fallon's birthday, yeah. I think. Um, and so you can find that on the internet. And like we've said, you know, once women are singing Prince songs, it kind of it works. It gives them a slight yeah, it works just because yeah. Prince you know had that you know had that kind of range that was a little higher up and so it's kind of easier for them to sing but yeah you know i'm generally not a fan of people covering prince songs but you know there are a few really good versions of uh, of darling nikki out there mm. i think the thing is none of them have the power of prince doing it simply because his version has him in the film <laughs> directing this anger at Apollonia. So it gives it a certain extra level. Um, and, you know, none of these other versions managed to get the parents' music resource centre started and, you know, the creation of the parental advisory sticker. So, you know, they don't quite have as much power as Prince did. But, uh, yeah. It's a great song and it just, it works in the film because basically at this point of the film, then the film kind of changes because, like, after this... Well, do I need to do a spoiler alert on this or whatever? But you know what I mean. Um, like at this point, this happens, and then he, Prince starts falling apart. Then his father shoots himself, and then it kind of just sort of falls apart. And then he kind of works back up to go, him going up and getting back with Apollonia yeah. and stuff like that. So this is pretty much the point where this is his lowest point, really, in the close to the yeah. lowest point in the film. For the character. It's interesting, of course, that the next song that they play after this is Sex Shooter by Apollonia 6. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, that's the next song in the film. So it's kind of, it's, it's again, it's kind of, you know, it's in terms of the storyline, it's kind of like the divergent paths of like suddenly Apollonia is very successful because she's in this girl group. Um, you know, so yeah, if you, I mean, it's it's possibly one of my favourite performances in the film. And, and that was the first time that I heard this song, you know, when I, I saw the film Purple Rain before I ever heard anything off the album Purple Rain. So when I saw Darling Nikki in the film, that was the first time that I'd heard Darling Nikki. So mm. uh, so that's the one that always kind of sticks in my head. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so if there's nothing else, uh, I think we should go to plugs. Okay, as, um, as I've done this before, I do not have a podcast. I'm probably the only person in the world who doesn't. So look, I'll have a I'll, um, <clears throat> an Australian podcast called The Little Dum Dum Club. Okay, it's two guys talking, two comedians talking with another couple of comedians maybe chatting as well. It's hilarious. If you don't like hearing the C word getting mentioned, you probably don't want to listen to this. <laughs> but it, it is just funny. It's ridiculous. Um, it's kind of like you're in the middle of a conversation. There's a lot of in-jokes, so it's more a case of you've got to 
listen to it long enough to get 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 a handle on it but when you're gone and do it's just amazing so yeah the little dumb gum club you can find us on facebook at prince track by track or on twitter at prince podcast or you can or you can write to us at prince track by track at gmail.com thanks for joining me once again victor thanks darren thanks for having me and otherwise goodbye